The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Well, I tell you what, last week, it is so fun to baptize, you know, people. And really part of understanding the power of baptism is watching people take steps. That what you want, and that our passion really is life change. And to see it happening in a tank up front here on Sundays, I hope for all of us that never gets old. Amen. Uh, there's something cool about it. And really, too, you have kids from 8, 9, 10 years old, all the way for, you know, individuals that are north of 70, I guess is a good way to say it. Um, but uh, it really is super fun. also want to celebrate that we had a couple of our Champions Club kids uh, get baptized last Sunday, and that was, that was really meaningful. Um, if you wonder about that, just real quick, Champions Club is a unique environment uh, for kids with unique needs. Uh, maybe they're on the spectrum autism-wise and, and just need an environment that's unique to them. And so if you know families that could use that kind of ministry, we do offer one in our Grove Kids. So um, last week, doing baptisms uh, was a great day to celebrate. Today, we're actually going to take communion together. And if you walked in today and you should have received, you got a little cup there and there, there's a little wafer with it. And if you didn't receive one yet, would you just put your hand up real quick? We want to make sure that you get one because we're going to take communion together here in a few moments. Keep that hand up. There's a couple there in the balcony, a few on the main floor. Of course, if you're online real quick, if you don't have the elements uh, with you, you want to maybe go grab those in your kitchen. You can take communion with us. Uh, but today I want to talk about this. And some of you guys don't know this, but communion goes all the way back to, or the, the idea or the picture of what this is, it actually goes all the way back to Exodus, and you might not know this, so I want to kind of give you a picture that when, when the nation of Israel is in slavery in Exodus, God calls Moses to deliver them out of slavery, and he goes to Pharaoh multiple times and says, hey, you need to let everyone go, let the nation of Israel go, that's what God said, I'm being sent, and, and of course, Pharaoh doesn't relent, and, and so he continues to oppress the people, and God finally says, I'm going to send, you know, basically, you've heard of like the 10 plagues of Egypt, and there's all kinds of them from, you know, flies and gnats to frogs to hail to darkness and all this stuff, and finally, the final kind of straw that breaks the camel's back proverbially is that God says to Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him uh, that he has got to do this, otherwise there's going to be, basically it's the death of the firstborn sons in Egypt. And so where this comes from, and there's a reason I'm taking you back for this, comes from is the Lord said to Moses, tell the nation of Israel to put the blood of the lambs on the doorposts of their homes so that when the angel of the Lord comes around, the angel of the Lord can identify what's Egypt and what's Israel. And of course, the next morning, uh, a bunch of the, the, the children in the nation of Egypt have, have, have been killed by this angel. And, and finally, Pharaoh says, fine, go, I've had it. But that began what's called Passover. Some of you have heard of Passover. You're aware of what Passover is. Why do I do all this and take you back that far? Because Jesus in the Gospels, they celebrate Passover annually. Jesus in the Gospels, as he's winding down his ministry, says to the disciples, go on ahead of me into Jerusalem. There's going to be a room there. Tell them we're going to celebrate Passover there. The Lord wants to. And so they're together, and we call it the upper room. We call it sort of the last supper, but all it is is really the, the, the last Passover that that Jesus would celebrate or commemorate with the disciples. And in that moment, if you remember, here's what he does. They celebrate Passover as the old covenant celebration that it was, God's rescue of Israel out of Egypt. But Jesus does something very unique in these moments because he specifically takes bread 
And it says he breaks the bread, and you're familiar with this. He breaks the bread, he gives it to the disciples, and says, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance. And then it says, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant. That's a huge deal. Everybody say new covenant. The new covenant in my blood. Do this when you drink it in remembrance of me. What's going on here, and how does that tie to Passover? Because what Jesus was doing was saying there is no longer the need to celebrate Passover that way. There is a new covenant and a different way to celebrate. Now, this was a huge risk because they had already wanted to kill Jesus, right? The the religious leaders had already wanted to. This would be one more reason why they would want him dead because he just reoriented Passover into something that would be about him. He didn't just say, this is the new covenant in my blood. Here's what we understand theologically. Jesus is the final Passover lamb. And so that's how it ties in. The idea of commemorating or celebrating something goes all the way back to Egypt. But Jesus said, this is now something new. And when he said new covenant, again, those were grounds to one more, re- one more reason to have him killed if the religious leaders heard him say that. But Jesus was saying, this is something Different. There is no longer the need for you and I to be attached to the old covenant or the covenant of the law in Sinai. We know we now have the new covenant centered around the body and blood of Christ. So Jesus would go to the cross, his death, burial, his resurrection would be what, you know, at the core, the reason that you and I gather at the core where we find forgiveness. And so as we in a few moments take communion together, I want to remind you that's the background of communion. And then I want to give you this warning. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And of course, you're familiar with this. There's first and second Corinthians, and you can read all kinds of stuff in there about how he was directing them, challenging them a few different ways. He was rebuking them. I've mentioned before that Corinth was sort of the New Testament party church. They were doing things that were not good things, and they were celebrating them as if God would be pleased. And Paul's like, no, 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 that's not okay. Communion is actually one of those areas where Paul says, hey, you're not doing this the way you're supposed to be doing it. So if you got a Bible or if you're taking notes, you can write down 1 Corinthians 11, and I'm going to read a few verses and kind of walk you through this. Paul says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. And we go, well, how is that? In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. Now, real quick, just basically, if you go before this, there was a time where people were saying, hey, I was baptized by Apollos. I was baptized by Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Paul. And then some would try to trump the conversation by saying, but I follow Jesus. And what happened was there was a sense of pride based on who you could brag about following specifically. And there were these divisions on top of there were kind of cultural and socioeconomic divisions in the church. And we're going to get to that in a second. It says, no doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you has God's approval. And of course, he's saying that because it's not good and it's kind of insulting. It's not okay. So then when you come together, listen to this. It is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. When we take communion together, another idea for communion, another word is the Lord's Supper. Others call it the Eucharist. We talk about the ordinance, ordinances of the church, baptism and communion. So he says, when you uh, come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. So something is wrong that takes away from what's supposed to be happening. And here you go. It says, um, for when you are eating, 
Some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry, another gets drunk. Can you imagine? Now, it's obviously a little bit different than here's a piece of bread, here's a little bit of wine, or here's a little bit of juice, we're going to honor the Lord. The idea of this kind of supper coming together was the church gathering, and people would bring these elaborate meals. Some people had means to do that. And they would kind of flaunt their means by like, look, I'm bringing a a T-bone steak or a tomahawk steak or whatever. And others are like, oh, look, I have fishy crackers, right? Uh, And I know it's an exaggeration, but the idea is there were people that gathered for koinonia, the Greek term for food and fellowship. and, And instead of coming together with a sense of unity, with a sense of sharing with one another, there were groups that were like, we're the group that has means. And we get to have an elaborate, amazing dinner And some people barely get breadcrumbs or don't get anything at all. And Paul says, that's not okay. On top of, because they would have wine, which is an alcoholic drink, there were people that were guzzling bottles and laying off to the side half passed out. How many of you guys are pretty aware, like, that's not okay, right? Things are not going well during the Lord's Supper, which is why Paul says, you're not even taking the Lord's Supper at this point. You're missing the core of what should be happening. He says, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. And then he says this, and we're familiar with these words going back to what Jesus said, for what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and broke it. And when he had given thanks, he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant, huge deal there, in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. In other words, honoring the Lord in this manner regularly is a witness to the core of your faith, what God has done in Christ. And then he says, so then, and here's the warning, so then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. And I'm pretty sure there's nobody in here that goes, I want to do that. I want to sin against the body and blood of the Lord. But he says, if you do this, if you take communion irreverently, that's exactly what you're doing. And then he goes on. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many of you are sick and weak and a number of you have fallen asleep. In other words, have died. So let me, let me just paraphrase the last part of this. Paul says, when you and I today, if he's writing to the Corinthian church today, you and I have got to be reverent about what this is. And it's not just going through spiritual motions. It's not just eating a wafer and drinking some juice and going, I didn't really like the flavor or I think mine might have been stale, or whatever people sometimes say about these things. Well, is, is it gluten-free? And all this? It, it set that aside. That, that the reminder for you, what is this really about? And by the way, it's not a side note, but it's something for you and I to know. 
When you and I honor the Lord by taking communion reverently, it, it is specifically meant for those that are believers in Jesus. So if you're in here today and you haven't made a commitment to faith in Christ, I would ask you to refrain from taking communion because of what Paul said here. If you don't discern, in other words, understand what Christ has done with his broken body and his shed blood, and you haven't made that part of your personal you know, kind of life and walk that out by inviting Jesus to be your savior, then refrain because that's an example of, of taking it in an unworthy manner, of just going through the motions because you feel like maybe it's spiritual. When, when Paul talks about this, and I want to explain it, he says, you and I ought to do inventory. That for you and I to take communion before we do that, it's time to do some inventory. What do we mean by that? The invitation by you to the Holy Spirit. Lord, before I take the steps to honor you in communion, the body and blood of Christ, the bread and the juice or the wine, Lord, is there anything in me that isn't as it should be? It's inviting the Holy Spirit to do inventory in your heart. And some of you, maybe you walked in here today and you're like, just this morning, I missed the mark. Just like, you don't know where I was Friday night and if you did, oof. Or last week or a year ago or, or whatever, and, and maybe you've never dealt with it. Paul says, deal with it. Paul says, navigate anything in your life. Confront anything in your life that doesn't gel with faith in Christ. In other words, any sin that you harbor in your heart that you just haven't navigated or dealt with. And you go, well, how do you deal with it? Well, the beauty of this conversation is it has everything to do with the blood of Christ. That when you invite, and in a few moments, we're gonna do this together, when you invite the Holy Spirit to do inventory, and he says to you, you know what? You've been given to gossip, and that's not okay. Or, well, you got that habit you're trying to hide that's an addiction that's, that's tearing you apart. Don't leave it there. Or reveals to you you're holding on to bitterness or any one of a number of things that you know that aren't right when you invite the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. The beauty of that moment is you're aware of it and that's where you could say, Jesus, would you forgive me for my sin? And that's where, for those that are believers in Christ, we believe Jesus paid the price, his broken body and his shed blood so that we could be forgiven. So we actually activate the very thing that we're honoring by taking inventory and dealing with sin, amen? So I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet uh, today and, and we're gonna take these elements together, but before we do that, I'm gonna pray. And my hope would be that in these moments that you allow the Holy Spirit to do inventory. Before we take the bread, before we drink of the cup, that you take some inventory. So we're gonna take a few moments and pray. And uh, so you can just bow your heads again. If you're online, you can bow your heads as well and take some inventory. Jesus, I, I pray that none of us would just walk in here and go through spiritual motions. I pray that all of us would feel that, that sense of, of wanting to honor the broken body and shed blood that made us right with you. That we believe in a Savior that turned Passover into something different, but that was the new covenant, the covenant in the blood on the cross, the blood, Jesus, that you shed, that that's where we find forgiveness. That's where we find life. And God, I pray by your Holy Spirit 
for every person in this room that you would do that inventory. And if you're in here today and, and maybe you hear the Holy Spirit whispering to you something that's not right, it's just, it really is as simple as this. Jesus, would you forgive me for? And you can fill in the blank right where you're at, just under your breath right there. But let me challenge you to do that, to do some house cleaning as the Holy Spirit reveals whatever it might be to you. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for forgiveness. Thank you, God, that as we're reminded to do this regularly, that it brings us back to center, that our lives can be all about being busy, our lives can be all about responsibilities and work stuff and all these things, and, and on the spiritual side of the equation, it can be about, I gotta, I gotta memorize more of the Bible and I gotta read more and I gotta pray more, and those are great things. But sometimes we get so busy in all of this other stuff that we forget to appreciate what you've done through the cross. And so this brings us back to center. Go ahead and, and, and you can kind of peel back that one layer where you got the wafer there. There's a little, some of them are a little bit of top layer that's kind of thin. Get to it. It says, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread. He broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's go ahead and take that. It says, after supper, he took the cup and he gave it to his disciples and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this when you drink it in remembrance. And Jesus, thank you for your shed blood. That we can't earn our way out of sin. We can't do all the stuff to figure it out and, and prove that we're good enough. But what we can do is believe that you paid a price so that we could be forgiven. That, that Christians are weird in that we sing about blood, but it's to really understand the value of what Jesus did on the cross that lets us appreciate that blood that was shed for us. So go ahead and if you haven't already, peel back that layer. And Let's go ahead and take that together. Some of you may be struggling like I am. need fingernails. Sorry, there, some of them are a little tricky. I do apologize for that. Jesus, again, thank you. And I pray that even as we honor you this way, that it sparks something in us by your spirit. That God, there's a fresh hunger. There's a sense of, of God walking out our faith by honoring you in this manner not irreverently, not just going through motions, not just doing something spiritual because it feels good, but anchoring ourselves back to what you've done for us. Thank you for going to the cross for our sin. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.